the Lord continue to bless each one of you. Thank you so much for being here, the entire family and the guests. Um, if you're here for the very first time, I met one brother here for the very first time. God bless you. Um, I don't know where he is. All right, yeah, right now. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Every person who is here, or if you are, if you are online and you are just, you have just stumbled across Zion Church's Facebook Live for the very first time, you are hearing this good-looking pastor welcoming you. May the Lord continue to bless you wherever you are. May His grace be filled in your houses every walk of your life. And I pray that every Sunday that we practice, we hear from God's word. Those seeds of faith that have been instilled in our hearts. I pray throughout the week when we go back, this word, you will allow this word to grow in our life. You will nurture it. What you don't allow to grow will never grow. What we hear from God's word this morning, we must allow it. Meditate on those scriptures when we go back and have the same scriptures to pour into your life and let it grow. Let, it, let the roots go down and make you a strong person in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. How many of you are happy this morning? Oh, not everybody. Not everybody. Not everybody. Can I, hear, can I see some of the smiling faces? My amachis are very good smiling faces. Come on. Hallelujah. God bless you guys. God bless you guys. Um, you know, we will have some announcements towards the end of our service. Uh, but again, I just want to mention that uh, from the next, uh, next Sunday onwards, for the next four weeks, we will have a baptism class, uh, you know, uh, taken care during our church service. So uh, please contact Anisha, Pastor Anisha, if you're, or you're any child or your brother or sister, or if you want to take baptism. Oh, come on. But um, it, it, uh, what I'm saying is, you know, please contact and be part of the baptism class class for the next four Sundays, and I believe in, uh, uh, in the month of August, we will have a grand baptism service. Come on, do you believe that? Yeah. Amen. Amen. I'm ready to see. I'm ready to get into the pool with some good people who should be baptized and be one with Jesus Christ. And I pray that this will be a season that some people will come to the saving grace of Jesus Christ. This morning, I want to really quickly go into the Word. Thank you so much for patiently being here. And, and, and every Sunday that you come here to be part of Zion Church, every single person, you, you might be a member of our church for the last maybe 15 years, 10 years, 20 years, but every time that you choose to come here, I never take your place, praise here for granted because I believe you could have been in any other place, but you chose to be here. And I pray, and I pray from the bottom of my heart that the Lord continue to bless you and your family in every ministry that you are partakers of. This morning, I want to take your attention towards, are you all ready for the word? Amen. Uh, can I hear an amen? amen? Can I hear an amen? And the Lord was talking to me last week as I was meditating. And, and, and today I want to proclaim God here and we've been part of a series Lord make me an answer Lord make my life an answer last week's service was an amazing service as the angel had a powerful service here morning and evening the Lord spoke to a lot of our folks here filled them with the Holy Ghost and I pray there'll be a continuity of the streams of God's river that flows and channels out through Zion Church into every single place that you go you stand out you minister may the goodness of God be revealed through God's ministry wherever God places you. This morning, I want to talk to you about treasure hunt. Treasure hunt. When I talk to the youth or the kids, I tell them about treasure hunt. They were very excited because of the treasures they want to find. 
And now if I tell you that after service today, we have a five acre property outside and I have put a lot of treasures. How many of you will be willing to just go? But you will ask me, Pastor, what is that treasure that you are asking us to spend time? You will want to know how expensive, how valuable the treasures are before you pay your time, you, 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 you put your resources, you go out to, to dig up the ground, to, to, to mingle with the dirt of the ground. You, before you get to know what the process of it, you want to know how expensive the treasure is, right? Many days ago, I think it was two weeks ago, you know, I was just wanting to, you know, spend some time with my son and, uh, you know, I took him outside in our backyard and I told him, Josiah, you know what, I have dropped some treasures for you and, 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 and I want you to go find them. He was really excited and for us, you know, he's just three and a half, you know, for him, anything, the word treasure, he gets too excited for him. It's get too excited and he's like, Dada, what is it? Is it a candy? Is it a chocolate? What do you have for me? What do you have for me? Is it a, you know, the, the Easter egg? What is it? What are he so excited? And I'm like, wow, wow, this is amazing to see an excitement in the heart of a young three and a half year old. And I pray and I believe in my spirit that today some of us must be excited that there are treasures that God has appointed for each one of you. Each one of you. Oh no, this is not the treasure hunt that I'm talking about the Caribbean, the pirates of the Caribbean. No, but this is the treasures that God wants to reveal to us from the, bro, whatever you were doing, whoever was drums today, whatever you were playing, you know, you gave me a feel of Star Wars, Darth Vader entering the room, whatever we were playing was amazing. Can we actually put our hands together for the young, talented Abraham boys here? God bless you guys. God bless. I want to read a scripture here, Isaiah chapter 45, Isaiah chapter 45, verse 1, 2, and 3. Isaiah chapter 45, verse 2, and 3. This is how it goes. I'm going to read it for you. This is what the Lord says to His anointed. Y'all have the scriptures here? Good. This is what the Lord says to His anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I will take off, to subdue nations before him and to strip kings of their armor. I will go before you and I will level the mountains or make crooked paths straight. I will break down gates of bronze and cut through bars of iron. I will give you the treasures of darkness. Riches stored in secret places so that you may know that I am the Lord, the God of Israel summons you by by name. As we begin with the scripture here, as we begin with the scripture here, it talks to us about a promise that God is giving to the children of Israel. We know the story. The children of Israel were in the Babylonian captivity. And, and, and this time, there's a promise of God that comes to the life of Israel almost 170 years before they went into captivity. Listen to me very carefully. Almost 170 years before they went into captivity, there's a promise of God that comes to their life. And it talks about, this is what the Lord says to His anointed, to Cyrus. Who is the Cyrus? What has Cyrus to do? By the way, Cyrus is such a good name, right? I love that name. As I was reading that, I'm like, I'm actually planning baby number two names and I'm like Cyrus fits in there. I'm kidding. But Cyrus is such a good name. But I'm like, what is happening? Why is Cyrus so important in the life of Israelites? He is a Persian king, a heathen king. What has he to do anything with the children of Israel? 
But this is what God was revealing. You may question the authenticity of people. You may look at some folks and you're like, oh, this person may not fit into the criteria of ministry. But can I tell you something? The misfits will be used and anointed and appointed by God to deliver His people. It is God's business and He knows whom to be to get them out. And I pray there are some folks, there are some folks, your life may look like the life of Cyrus, that you may be a misfit, don't fit into it at all. But can I tell you, you are anointed for a season to deliver God's people out of captivity. And I am prophesying unto a generation that is listening to me, no matter where you are seated, where and what walk of life you are in. But I tell you in Jesus' name today, that by the blood of the Lamb, you're anointed and you're appointed to bring back the captives free. And I pray... It will happen in our lifetime. It will happen in our lifetime. Cyrus is a Persian king. He has nothing to do with Israelites. He has nothing to do. But God's anointing came over this guy. Even before he was born, there's a prophetic word. 170 years ago, there's a prophetic word about Cyrus. The word Cyrus would come, you know, I'm, I, I love, I, I, I was a student of Greek and I love the words that used. Cyrus, the word, comes from the Greek, which was later to be a name. Cyrus, the word Cyrus, comes from the root word, Kurios, which is the Lord. And in the New Testament, Cyrus is, is denoted as Jesus Christ. Because in the prophetic words, you see that these words are actually the prophetic words of Jesus in the New Testament. But the same person God chose to use, who is just a heathen king. He's a Persian king. But God, in His infinite plan and purpose, had appointed this heathen king to deliver the children of Israel. Cyrus, in another word, God calls him us and say he's an anointed person. Anointed person. The Jews around in that area, the traditional folks in that area might say, this guy, how, can, how in the world can he save us? He's a Persian king. How in the world can he step out to deliver us? He's a Persian king. He's not one among us. He does not dress up like us. He does not talk the language of ours. He does not fit into our cultural system. We understand if it is Moses because he has a Hebrew lineage. We understand if it is Daniel because he is born from us. But Cyrus delivering us doesn't fit in. Can I tell you? It may not fit into your plans and purpose. What does not fit into your calculation? God raises a person out to deliver what he has appointed to deliver. Cyrus was appointed by, by God. You know, when I'm, and some people tell me that party is bad, this politics is bad, that person, can I tell you, if my God can change a murderer's soul to be a soul winning Paul, can I repeat that? If my God can change a murderer's soul to a soul winning Paul, my God can change anybody and use him for his glory. And this morning I am here to proclaim this truth that God has anointed and appointed you for a task and a job generation that is ahead of us. Opportunities come and talk to me. They're like, Pastor, how can I help? How can I help? And I tell them, Opportunities, pray. Pray. You are a voice heard in the generation. Pray in the wilderness. 
Amachis, oftentimes they come and tell me, Pastor, what can we do? We want to do something, but I don't have the energy to do it. That's okay, Amachi. But you can pray that a silence will rise up in our generation who is anointed by God to set the captives free. Cyrus doesn't fit in. He's just a prophetic replacement of Jesus in the Old Testament. Jesus says foreshadow in the Old Testament to set the captives free from Babylonian empire. I want to really go into that scripture, but go home, read. Cyrus means in New Testament Greek, it talks about it's the root word is kurios, which means the Lord. So, and and the, the word that the prophet Isaiah uses for, for Cyrus here is that we, we look into that scripture, we understand this is what the Lord says to his anointed He's anointed. And the same word you use in the New Testament and the same anointed word is used in the New Testament as Messiah for Jesus Christ. Are you understanding this? Are you with me? The anointed one. The anointed one. It talks about Cyrus, a heathen king, doesn't fit in. Doesn't fit in. Can I have Christian? Christian, come here. Come here, come here, come here. Real quick, real quick, real quick. You know, this guy looks, I, I, I wish one day I can dress up like him. Very millennial, trendy. <laughs> he, he tells me all the time, Pastor, I want to take you to, what was the place you told me? Forever? H&M, H&M. Oh, H&M. He tells me, I will take you to H&M and I'll buy you the clothes that I buy so that you can be as cool as a millennium pastor. I'm like, okay, that's okay. This is cool for me. But what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, sometimes we look into the appearance of people. God looks to the heart. He has called and separated a generation. Every single person here, you're called, you're anointed, or you're appointed for this season. Not for tomorrow, for today. Don't wait. Thank you so much. Don't wait. Don't wait. It's not for tomorrow. It's for today. It's for today. So every time you stand to minister, wherever God has allowed you to, stand with the courage that Holy Spirit backs you up. Stand with the courage that the heaven backs you up. Stand with the courage that the calling is not because Pastor Justin called you. It's not because Zion Church called you. It's the calling that is above every other calling. The calling and the mandate comes from Jesus Himself. Some young fishermen on the shores gathering fish. They worked hard and they could not gather anything. And Bible says Peter was washing his nets. He did everything he could do to do what his best known to him. His degrees went failing because all, his, all, all that he could do all night long, he gathered nothing in the morning. And that's when Jesus walked in. And Jesus said, Peter, walk with me into the sea. Let's go for Fishing. Peter looks at Jesus and I worked, toiled hard for the entire night. I didn't get anything. But baby, this time somebody else is calling you. You don't question the author of life. You don't question the creator of life. He calls you. You just obey him. He calls you. You walk behind him. You don't question God. 
Some of you here are today questioning, where do I fit in in this order? Where do I fit in to minister? Can I tell you, at our church, there are enough areas for us to minister. There's right now, while I'm preaching here, there are a few people out in the children's room who are taking care of the children. You know what? They're not babysitting them. They're ministering to the young ones. And I pray, after a few years, a generation of prophets and prophetesses will arise in our church. Why? Because in the children's church, there is somebody committed. There's somebody committed. Cyrus, you're anointed. You are anointed. Every single person right now seated here, you're anointed. Do not question your anointing. You may not stand here to preach for 30 minutes or 40 minutes, but throughout the week, you're actually ministering to a group of people that only you can reach out to. And I pray through the words that you share, through the places that you hang out, to the places that you might go, I pray there will be a lot of people who will be delivered from the clutches of the enemy and they will be standing on the rock of hope, the rock of salvation. Cyrus is a heathen king. But God uses the heathen king to deliver the people of Israel. This is how it goes. And I like the scripture when it says, Whose right hand I will take. What matters the most is that Cyrus might have done what he could have done by him, his own merit, his own power. But today when you go against a conquest with the great Babylonian nation, you don't go with your own merit. Cyrus, you don't go with your own understanding. Persian Empire was coming up in the ranks of being one of the most powerful nations on face of the earth. Babylon was at that time. And they tried their best to, 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 to capsize, to, to, to destroy Babylon, to destroy completely. But Persian Empire could not do so. Persian Empire failed. And that's when the anointed Cyrus walks in. Why? Because there were a group of people inside captivity, inside Babylon, who were crying out to God and say, God, enough of, enough of what we are going through. We need a deliverer to come and set our lives on fire. Set us free, O oh Lord. And that's when you see Cyrus walks into the picture. When everybody thought that now Israel will completely die and there is no hope for them. That's when the anointed, the appointed, the king or the heathen, the misfit doesn't fit into the group or the community, walks into the picture to set the lives, to set the captives free. To set the captives free. And he talks about, Cyrus, I will hold your right hand. I will hold your right hand. What it simply means is, you know, if God has held your right hand in anything that you do and you partner with God, can I tell you, you partner with God in whatever you're doing, you will see a blessing in your life. I'm going to repeat that for some of you who didn't hear the first time I said, when you partner with God, no matter what you do, good things, no matter what you do, but God is going to bless your business, make God the best business partner. Praise the Lord. Say, God, you take 95%, I'll take the 5%. You see, your business will grow. Make him the best business partner. Make him your family partner. Make you your personal life partner. And you will see your life and everything that you are going in your life will change. Will has to change. Because you 
I remember a story many years ago. A young boy used to walk through a shop owner, walk through in, his, in, a, in Kerala. He was walking through, and a young boy, whenever he walks through, this guy was so powerful looking in his face some people some kids are so powerful looking you want avare vilichu nammal endellam kodukum chellore kandu kaiya nammal podaan nu parnu parnjodu um power he was a very powerful young kid so the shopkeeper he called him come here let me give you a candy and the shop, and the guy was so smart he was a pe- probably a pentecostal kid he was so smart when he came to the shopkeeper he said you know what my i don't want to put my hand how about you put your hand and grab the chocolates out of the jar the child knew one thing if i put my hand my hand is small but the shopkeeper his hand is bigger if his hand goes in he will get out all that he can he wants to lavishly love me and i may not get this opportunity yet again but this is the moment that i'm going to allow him to give me what he thinks best is for me can i tell you partner with god let him hold your right hand in whatever you do you will see a prosperity in your life your education will be a successful your business will grow your future life will grow your family relationships will be a blessing why because you allow god to partner in your life got really quick into that and cyrus's right hand was held by look to your hand and say who is holding my hand come on who is holding my hand Okay, let's do this. Turn to your neighbor and ask them who is holding your hand. Who is holding your hand? I love God. I love God. I love God to hold your hand. Let him walk you in this life. And the verse too that we look into, this is how it goes and that's the prophetic word that I want to release this morning here. It talks about I will go before you. One of the most important part of God's scriptures is to understand and to know that God goes before us. Moses wanted to go ahead, but he asked God, God, he said, "God, unless your spirit goes with me, ah, uh-uh, I am not moving from this place." Because the people that you asked me to liberate, the people that you asked me to walk with are a big headache, and I can walk with them only if you go with me because yesterday you they gave them manna and today they are hungry again they want not just the manna they want chicken as well lord but every need of their life can be met only by you so i want you to go with me and or not if you're not if your presence doesn't depart with me i am not going from here is that the story is that the prayer of each of us this morning god i don't want to do anything that you have asked me to do unless i don't know that your presence is actually leading me there i don't want to stand there and lead worship lord if i am not being led by the spirit of god i don't want to stand here and preach if i don't know that your spirit has led me i don't want to have that conversation if i don't know that your spirit is actually leading me to have that conversation oh hallelujah to know god will go before you have this prayer in your life to know and to understand god goes before you god goes before you hallelujah the joy of knowing and having a guide with you when you go in a place that is totally unknown for you is so important right 
It's so important to know. Have you ever watched the Jurassic Park? The first movie that had come many years ago. Recently, I was watching with my son. He loves dinosaurs. And as I was watching with him, there was a scene where this guy walked out of his Jeep and he wanted to go to a direction. But what happened was he lost the sign and he turned the sign totally and he messed up the place and he didn't know where to go. He didn't know how to come back. He was eaten up by all the dinosaurs. What I'm talking to you about is if only he knew, if only he knew that there was a guide who can actually take him to where he wanted to go and to come back to where he wanted to come back. You're with me, church? To know, to understand that I have a guide who goes before me. If I start going from here to any restaurant after this service, I will put on and ask Google Amachi my path. And she is so good. Sometimes she's annoying, but she is so good to let me know. Take right, take left, go straight. This is the place. In two minutes, you will arrive at your direction, destination. How good that is when you know God the Father is leading us. God is going before us. In your future, He's already there. He's inviting you to step into I want to go really quick into the next part that I want to talk here is I will go before you, I will level the mountains. In other translations, it talks about I will level the mountains is make crooked paths straight. Make crooked path straight. We've been wandering along in a lot of things in a crooked path, not knowing where exactly to be at. But this morning, as you are hearing this prophetic word, I want to declare over your life that He's about to level those mountains. Those mountains that you thought will never ever go, will never ever be leveled. Those crooked paths that you thought that you're going to winding, wind up the entire journey and you're going to be just dead and gone here. But this is my word and giving you as an assurance. My God, when He goes before you, He will level the mountains. He will level them. There is nothing. We sing the songs, right? We sing those songs where we say, when he walks into the room, everything changes. Everything changes. He makes crooked path straight. How many of you all really have some crooked path in your life? You're listening right now and you think those are the areas, Pastor. I wanted to overcome the situation for many months, many years. I haven't had a chance to overcome. But today, as you listen to me, He, when God goes before you, one, He will level the mountains. Oh, in other words, He will make the crooked path straight. He will straighten it up for you. Why? So that you can cross over to the eternity that God is actually placed in your life. The next scripture that talks to us over there is that I will break down gates of bronze and cut through iron, bars of iron. And, 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 and Babylonian empire was a powerful empire in the entire world because of the infrastructure that they placed to secure their kingdom. There were almost 150 plus bronze gates within the city. And there were almost like 15 to 20 iron, big, huge iron gates around that fortified their entire city. That kind of infrastructure no other kingdom ever had what Babylonians had. So when they captured the enemy, when they captured anybody, when they captured the Israelites, they placed them in the innermost part of the kingdom so that there is no hope 
they will never get out of this place. And they inducted hard labor into their life so that these Israelites have no hope for future and future days to come. But that's where the prophet Isaiah prophesies and tells, when my anointed Cyrus comes, when my anointed Cyrus comes, he says, he will break. By the anointing that rests upon my life, the anointing that rests upon Cyrus's life, he will break open those bronze doors. He will break open those bronze doors. What is that bronze door talking about? What is bronze? Bronze is an alloy of many metals put together, copper and many metals put together. But here when we see in, in the, the bronze signifies, in, when you look into the scripture, bronze actually signifies the sinful nature of a person. The sinful nature of a person. In the olden days, instead of having mirrors to look into their own faces, they used to have bronze to where they look, bronze sheet where they used to see themselves. And the, 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 the Babylonian kingdoms, they place these bronze doors, huge bronze doors outside so that whenever people come to conquer, they look at themselves and they feel they are weak. They cannot do it. Are you trying to understand this? It's like a mirror. You come and you look at the mirror and it shows how weak you are. It shows that you are incomplete. It shows that you have nothing to do by your own strength. It shows that you are weak and you will never conquer. So it puts your self-esteem down. That's what bronze has been doing with the life of Israelites in Babylonian captivity. And that's where God says, but when my anointed Cyrus comes, no matter what bronze door you might keep there, but when he walks in the anointing, that bronze has to come down. Oh, that door has to come down. Those doors that thought and made you think that you were fit for nothing and your life was a total waste, I am prophesying in the name of Jesus, those bronze doors are coming down in the name of Jesus Christ. The bronze doors, he will cut it down. The iron doors, the iron doors, iron strengthened the, the bronze. Iron strengthened the bronze. It was a heavy metal, heavy metal. It talks about the rigid sin that never departs us. Some of those rigid sin that you wanted to overcome and it never departed your life. Never wanted to leave you. There's a scripture that I wanted to give you and it's from... It's from Deuteronomy chapter 28. You don't have to read it. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 28 verse 23 talks about when people lived in sin. God said, His words say that I will change the heavens to bronze. It talks about I will change it. Why? Because my presence has departed. You are a sinner. But God says, I am about to break those bronze doors. I'm about to cut open those iron doors that you thought is heavy. It will never move. We cannot overcome it. You know what? Cyrus and his agents, or Cyrus, or many kings before in, in Persia, before Cyrus's time, tried to overcome Babylonian kingdom. They failed because of the infrastructure. But this time, when the anointed, led by the Spirit of God, God himself was holding his right hand, walked ahead of him. There is no bronze door, baby. There is no bronze door. There is no iron door that can stand in the power and the anointing of our God. When he walks in, it has to move. It has to break down. Those things that were rigid in your life for years has to come down. 
what are those things? What are those sinful nature? What are those rigid sinful things that you were praying for many days that did not come down in your life? Can I tell you something? When you think in your heart this morning, God, I'm about to allow your spirit to go ahead of us. I pray God that you will level the mountains. I pray God that you will straighten up the crooked path. I will pray God that you will hold my right hand and you will lead me, Lord, that every bronze door that put my spirit down, that crush my spirit, will be broken by the blood of the Lamb. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. There's some of us here who have been going through seasons of having your spirit crushed because of these bronze doors that were placed in your life. But can I tell you something? My God goes before you and He will cut open those bronze doors. Those doors that showed who you were in your sinful nature. Those doors that showed you, that revealed the truth that you were a sinful carnal man. But it is changing in the glimpse of the glory of God. Because when I look to Jesus and His glorious radiant face, when that radiates into my life, I no longer look into my sinful nature. I look into the perfection of Christ, the righteousness of Christ, who has saved me from the clutches of the enemy. That is the promise of Jesus that we have. When I look to the face of Jesus, I no longer look to the face of the enemy. I look to the face of my victory through Christ Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. Some of us, we've been praying for some things for many days, many years. And now we are at a point that, oh, it's okay. It may not happen. But can I tell you, those bronze doors are coming down in Jesus' name. I don't know how many of you are understanding the truth behind the scripture today. But the fact of the matter is if you understand and take the scriptures in your life, those bronze doors that never allowed you to dream again, those bronze doors that never allowed you to think about a new future in your life are about to come down in the name of Jesus. Can I have the worship team behind me? Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. But it does not end there. That scripture does not end there. And it ends talking about, to the last part of the scripture, it says, the third part, I will give you treasures of, of the darkness. I'll give you, you know, treasure of the darkness. Bible talks about, in the New Testament, Jesus talks about, if you lose something, right, you don't go find it in the darkness. You try to find it with the help of a light. You know what? Darkness cannot be measured. Can you measure light? But you can, can you measure darkness? No, but you can measure Light, you measure light. So darkness is actually the absence of light. Darkness by itself is not a thing. It is the absence of, of light. But can I tell you something? God's spirit was hovering upon. The spirit of God was hovering upon in the beginning, in the creation portion, portion where there were waters and above the waters there was the darkness. Right? Darkness by itself, darkness by itself is not a thing. Light's absence give room for darkness. Light is the legitimate thing that God wants to do. And I pray, I pray, God that has placed treasures in the darkness, 
the other day my boy Josiah brought me PBS kids game and he was playing with me and he was showing me that and as as I was looking into that you know I saw that as I progressed in the game it's almost like the Mario game as I was progressing in the game there were some treasures that was hidden I had to move point A to point B to get to my treasure when I am under that location my treasure is revealed some of us some of us we continue to sit where we are and we wait for the treasures of the darkness but it does not get to you if you are not ready to move hallelujah if it does not come to you if you are ne- not ready you know we might sit here for the entire lifetime nothing will happen nothing will happen you may sit in the same pews for the next 20 years nothing is going to happen get ready to move If you want to see and experience the treasures of the darkness that God has already placed you. You know what the scriptures that I like recently that I was reading and I heard was when 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 Samson fought the battle, right? He was thirsty. He was thirsty. You know what the spirit of the Lord said? There is the spring. Drink from it. God had already predestined a water table under the surface of the sea. under the surface he had already placed the water table where the spring just came out when samson had conquered the war and he was thirsty god had already placed it samson your thirst will not quench if you are not ready to go into the battle samson your thirst will be quenched only if you are ready to walk from point a to point what are those things that are challenging your life this season get ready to make a movement Do not be stuck in the same. Do not be stuck in the mundane. Do not be stuck in the ideas and the practices, but get ready to move from one place to the other. Get ready to have a movement in your life and that's when God will reveal at the right appointed time the treasures of that you may not have not known about it, but in the light of his glory when you walk in he will reveal You cannot find anything in the darkness unless you have a light. Who is the light of the world? Jesus. He shines through your life. Can you all rise up in God's house? He shines through your life. He shines through your life. And I when we walk in into those places and rooms in those places and rooms in those business equations where you thought you cannot succeed, you cannot move forward, but can I tell you God has already appointed treasures of the dark for your life for your future for your family you might think these bronze doors cannot come down but can i tell you we are no longer a slave to death because of the work of the cross he has anointed us to set the captives free his anointing is over our life and i pray i pray as the scripture will help us to understand god goes before us he goes before us he will straighten up every crooked path level up the mountains that was once there the egypt that you saw today you will now see it yet again we'll sing those songs worship god and during this time our offering team will pass out the buckets and you can extend your heart hands and and come into the lord If you're watching us online, contribute to the church ministry through Venmo at Zion Church. But whatever you want to do, let's also pay attention 
to the song that we are going to sing. Worship God. We are no longer a slave.